0: Let's pray together. Lord, we do just thank you so much. Thank you for the joy that we have in worship. For me, it's just a lot of fun to watch all the, the generations worshiping together, and uh, what a blessing that is. And, and Lord, uh, that we have this church family, and and even if, when our kids aren't here, we we have other people's kids to love on and to care for, and they're all part of our family. And, and Lord, um, we thank you for the way that we know we're praying for one another and caring for one another. And so just thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, be present with us now as we go to your word. We, we really uh, need encouragement. We need to know that you are near, that you're walking with us, that even in the midst of trials, you are right there and you last and you endure forever. So just open our eyes and our hearts to, to see your presence here this day. We ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. We are going to read uh, John chapter 6, um, verses 22 to 35. And uh, this is after Jesus has fed the 5,000 and he's also walked on the water. And then he begins to do uh, some teaching. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered uh, the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, birth of the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. And then they said to Him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. And so they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not be hungry and whoever believes in me shall never thirst thanks be to god for his holy word amen as pastor of this church i know that some of you have been dealing with great trials They've been hard these past few weeks, and for some of you, those are ongoing trials. And when such things happen in our lives, they they reorient our priorities, do they not? Suddenly, Super Bowls don't matter so much. School rivalries are not nearly as important. Money and possessions don't amount to a whole lot unless they can be used to to help us or to help our loved ones. During more than 28 years of ministry, I have been with a number of people near the end of their lives. And I don't think I've ever once heard anyone mention that they wish they had acquired more money or more possessions if money was mentioned at all, it was mentioned in the context of saying that I, that I wish I'd left my spouse in a little better shape financially, or, or I wish I maybe could have left a little more for the kids. You see, even then, or especially then, it's all about relationships. But that's what people tend to talk about when we're going through trials. We hope our spouse will be okay. We're concerned about our kids and grandkids. We, we sometimes wish we'd have spent a little less time on career and a little more time with family. And as we look at this text today, beloved, Jesus is reminding us that you and I need to reorient our priorities. That, that we don't need to spend all of our time and all of our energy on things which perish. But before we get there, I need to review the context Uh, of this teaching last week we remembered the wonderful story of the feeding of the 5,000 but actually uh, with women and children it was more like that Jesus fed 15 to 20,000 people remember Jesus had been at that time he was trying to get away from the crowds and so he had crossed over the sea of Galilee and he had gone up uh, to the uh, northeast corner of the sea to Bethsaida to get away from everyone, to have a little downtime for he and for the disciples. But Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them and he miraculously fed them. Uh, Of course, this event only added to their exhaustion, the miracle itself, the distributing the food to all the people, gathering 12 baskets full of leftovers. I imagine they were physically and spiritually and emotionally exhausted. So in the section I did not read this morning, the disciples during the evening crossed back over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They crossed back over to the northwest side of Galilee, to the town of Capernaum. John doesn't tell us anything more, only the fact that Jesus wasn't with them. But Matthew and Mark's Gospels tell us that Jesus sent the disciples on ahead of himself and he stayed a while and he dismissed the crowds. And sometime during the night, and Matthew and Mark tell us it's in the fourth watch of the night that Jesus, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., that Jesus comes to them walking on the water because they're in a strong windstorm. And he gets into the boat, and John tells us when he gets in the boat, they were immediately arrived at the other side. Perhaps now they had finally, finally escaped the crowd. They were going to get that long-awaited downtime but once again that was not to be the case and that's where today's text begins the next day the crowd realized that jesus had not gotten into the boat with his disciples and yet they could not find jesus on the Bethsaida side of the sea so the crowd saw that there were boats there so they got in the boats and they went over to the capernaum side in hopes of finding jesus And verse 25 tells us that they found him there, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you come here? The motive for their question is not stated, but Jesus' answer leads us to believe that their question was almost as if they were saying, how dare you escape us? How dare you leave us? Why didn't you stay with us and keep meeting all of our needs? I may be wrong in that assumption but Jesus knew their hearts for he answered in verse 26 truly truly I say to you you're seeking me not because you saw a sign not because you saw a miracle really but because you ate your fill of the loaves in other words they sought Jesus because they wanted full stomachs they wanted what Jesus could do for them That they were interested in the physical benefits, but not the satisfying of their spiritual hunger. And sadly, people still use Christianity for what they can get out of it. It seems like people sometimes seek a kind of cosmic Santa Claus that will meet all of their wish lists. Or they rub elbows with other Christians when it helps their personal pursuits. Or they desire only feel-good, therapeutic, comfortable, soothing teaching and preaching. Of course, that's changing in America. As Christianity loses its popularity with the masses and persecution rises, people are no longer going to church for the financial, political, and social benefits. I personally believe there's going to be a great sifting out of the church, and there's going to be left a faithful remnant that once again is called to stand strong. I can only pray the Holy Spirit will empower us that we might be some of those who will stand. But Jesus knew the crowd's motive. Even even if I'm wrong about their motive, Jesus understood it very well. And, and so he issued this warning in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Jesus is such a masterful teacher he takes something that they all fully understand and he teaches a spiritual truth we all know that food perishes and in jesus day it perished even quicker than it does now there were no refrigerators there there were none of today's modern preservatives and even if your food doesn't perish It still doesn't last forever it constantly has to be replenished i've heard some of you talk about how you're getting so tired of preparing food and and going to the grocery store and working out menus you're tired of shopping and doing that day after day and week after week and you're tired of asking your husband what do you want and he says i don't know whatever you fix is fine with me My dear wife has done most of the grocery shopping for us through the years. I I may pick up a few items, but she does our weekly shopping. And nothing is much more frustrating for her through the years than to go to the grocery store and to spend hundreds of dollars only to have the girls and I open the cabinet and go, What? There's nothing in here to eat. What we really mean by that is we're too lazy to prepare it ourselves. We want it to kind of jump out at us but what it teaches us is that food perishes food doesn't last we have to always be shopping again and preparing food again and again and again and Jesus says don't work for food which perishes and when Jesus speaks of food that will perish he's not just literally talking about food he's talking about anything that will not last Don't work for it, he says. Now, is Jesus suggesting that we become lazy? No, he's not suggesting that. Is he suggesting that we quit our jobs, that we stop working, that we just don't worry about food? No, that's not what he's saying. Of course not. God gave us work as a good part of creation from the very beginning. When God set Adam and Eve in the garden, he set them to tend the garden to take care of it. And our bodies are designed to need nourishment. The Apostle Paul said very clearly to the freeloaders at Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 and 11, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For We hear that some among you walk in idleness, that you're not busy at work, but your are busy bodies. Work and food and rewards for our work is a part of God's design for creation. But I think what Jesus is saying is that you and I should not be so consumed by it. Instead, Jesus said, verse 27 again, work for the food that endures to eternal life, which he will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, what does that mean? Well, I want to deal with the last phrase, that God the Father has set his seal, because some of you may be asking and wondering about that one. This phrase indicates that God has put his divine seal or his mark of authority on Jesus. Jesus is the one authorized to give eternal life, which is the focus of this verse, food that endures to eternal life. And the key to understanding what Jesus is talking about is found in verses 28 and 29. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent me. Jesus is saying, you can't work for it. He's saying, God has already done the work. He sent me. Pastor John Piper stated it this way, Here they are standing in front of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, the intimately valuable, the intimately beautiful, the all-satisfying, everlasting food that endures to eternal life, the one who gives eternal life. And they're asking, what kind of works does God want us to do? And Jesus' answer in essence is this, If you don't see the person standing in front of you for who he is, then no amount of work is going to make him your treasure. You you don't need to do any works. You need to taste and see. In other words, you need to believe in Jesus. I agree with Reverend Piper, for Jesus says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He repeats similar words in verses 47 and 48. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life. Any youth that are here may remember that Monday night, Stephen and Heather led us in a discussion about Jesus turning the world upside down. Well, that's what He's done here. He turns the thought of working for eternal life upside down. He says, You can't work for eternal life. You'll never be good enough. You'll never do good enough. You'll never have enough. You cannot earn eternal life. As John Piper said, You must taste and see that Jesus is good. He's good. You must receive Christ. You must believe in Christ. He's the food that will satisfy for all eternity. So what does it mean to pursue the food that endures to eternal life? We've already said you can't work for it. You can't earn it. Uh, you, you got to believe. It comes by receiving Christ's free gift. But what does that look like practically? To work, to seek after, to pursue the food that endures to eternal life. Well, it changes everything. It changes everything, because if you're pursuing Jesus, you've got a whole new chapter that's been added to your life. Eternity in paradise has now been added to your life, in Jesus Christ. It doesn't end here. There's a whole new chapter, and it's more beautiful than the chapters you've been living. That's the first thing. A treasure has been added to your life that is billions upon billions times greater than anything that you can acquire in this life. And sure, you've got to stay in your job. Some of you might be called out, but most of us are going to stay in our job but you keep working you keep eating you keep doing the things you do you you keep purchasing things but you're not consumed by the things of this world those things no longer have dominion over your heart and your mind instead Christ begins to reign in you and when things in this world begin to look bleak you remember look I'm not working for this world anyway I'm going to live forever you still go to work But you go knowing and trusting Jesus and finding satisfaction in Jesus with your mind set on glorifying Christ, that you want to glorify Him with your thought, your word, your deeds. You're not at all a lazy worker, no. In fact, you work with even more zeal. You bring excellence to your work. But you do so not so much about your upward mobility or the big paycheck. Or the power, you do so because you want to bring glory to God. You do so because you trust Him. You do so because you treasure Him. You do so because you want to make a big deal about Jesus in everything that you say and do. Again, to quote Reverend Piper, you do everything in His name and for His glory whether you're washing the bathroom or running the boardroom. Think about that. You do everything for God's glory, whether you're washing the bathroom or running the boardroom. You have a great work ethic, but you understand that it's not about you and about what you can gain, but it's about glorifying Jesus. You're not consumed by work and the treasures it affords, for you know that this life is not all there is. And so you know first and foremost what we've been talking about in the Three Circles training, that it's about relationships. It's about your relationship with Christ. It's about building relationships with family and friends and workmates so that you can help them taste and see that the Lord is good that Christ is the way to eternal life. Jesus said in verse 35 again, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then he said in verses 47 and 48, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And then he adds, I am the bread of life. I want to ask you this morning, have you tasted and seen that Christ is infinitely valuable, infinitely beautiful, that He's all-satisfying and everlasting? If you have, if we have, I think it begs a difficult question for us. Am I consumed by food that perishes? Or am I pursuing that which endures to eternal life? Am I consumed by that which perishes or that which endures to eternal life? Let's pray together. Lord, this is not one of those sermons that exactly feels good. In fact, you know the the bruises and the lumps that I've taken, even as a prepared it. And Lord, we're sometimes too consumed, too consumed by things which will perish. Lord, for me sometimes it's the the value I place on my schedule and my time and instead of on relationships for others that might be acquiring more I, I don't know but I pray Lord that we might as a body treasure our relationships more and more that we might treasure relationships more than than anything else And that we would especially treasure our relationship with you. Yes, I pray that we would be good workers. Lord, you know how much our society needs some good workers. But Lord, not for our gain. Not for our glory. But for your glory. And we praise you for gifts of money. We praise you for the resources that that it's afforded us we praise you for all the resources that have blessed our lives i've been blessed among men i know that but i pray that we would not be consumed by those blessings i pray that each person listening today has tasted and we've seen that you are good I pray that we will pursue you in your glory first and foremost in our lives. And if we never have, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that we trust in you and that we receive life eternal. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.